It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's Wednesday, which, of course, means armchair politics is coming up uh, in about an hour or so. We'll have two hours of commentary and analysis uh, on uh, headlines from... uh, local, state, and national uh, politics, and current events with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left, and uh, Henry Hatter on the right. They'll be joined by uh, author uh, Wesley Whitaker. will be back with us to round out the uh, roundtable known as Armchair Politics. If it's Wednesday, be sure and tune in for Armchair Politics. And speaking of Armchair Politics, we're uh, kicking off this week... Um, the beginning of uh, talking to the GOP candidates for Michigan governor. There are 10 running in the primary, and the first of those 10 joins me by phone. He is, uh, well, he lives in Allendale with his wife and five kids. He's uh, got a background in, um, oh, uh, telecommunications and uh, real estate. But he's uh, been very active in um, talking about, uh, well, fighting against uh, some of the efforts by the governor and others to address uh, COVID-19. And we'll get into all of that with my guest this hour, who joins me by phone, Ryan Kelly. Uh, Good morning, Ryan. Welcome to the show. Good morning, sir. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on today. I hope I didn't fumble that intro too bad. You did pretty good. There's there's one correction we need to make there is that we have six kids now. We've recently oh. had another baby, so now it's my wife and I and six kids. Well, you've got some biographies to update then, right? <laughs> I guess so, yeah, right? We must have booked this one a little while back. You know, we just got family photos updated last week. Oh really? And we're uh, we're in the process of um, creating some new literature with the updated photo there. Yeah, because we printed a lot of our literature with the old photo prior to having this baby. Sure. And now that we're about running out of that, we're updating everything. Well, congratulations. So, but you did get the rest of it. We're solid. Well, congratulations, Ryan. Thanks, Tom. Um, now, with. Uh, <laughs> Let me let me ask this first, and I ask this of a lot of people that are running for office, especially people who haven't uh, served in office before, especially with an office like this, a statewide office, uh, governor of Michigan. Um, when you decided to run and you told your friends and family, did they think you were a little nuts? 
<laughs> they were excited. That's good. They were excited. They were ready to go. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of, it was several months of talking to my wife and my kids before we even ever made the decision. So, you know, <laughs> they were fully on board with everything. But, uh, you know, there's there's an element of uh, a, a little bit of, uh, what the heck are you doing? Anytime anybody runs for office, that's that's what I was that's for, what I was getting at, Ryan. Is if some of your close friends said, "Really, you really want to get into that quagmire?" Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty interesting field, obviously, right? But the the trouble that we see is that we we have individuals that will probably be great at those uh, positions to do what governments instituted to do, and that's protect the individual rights and liberties of the people and uphold our Constitution. We have people that go to Lansing, go to Washington, D.C., and and they, they violate their oath of office. They're not there for that, and so they get into those positions, and then we see things like what happened in 2020 happen and the continuation of what we see happening across the entire country. So it's time for those America first-minded, regular people, just like myself, to say, you know what, this is an obligation to America, let's get to work. Ryan, um, talking about the uh, the field of candidates in Michigan, it started out with about a dozen, but it shook out to be 10 officially announced um, and, and eh, for the most part, certified uh, candidates to run for the GOP primary. With that many people in the field, what what made you want to stay in and and be part of that? Because it's it's going to be a bit of a challenge um, for this uh, August primary. We'll probably see the number dwindle down a little bit more because of some issues with some of the petitions. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. That announcement will be made next week, um, the, <laughs> the 25th or 26th. And so uh, rewinding a little bit, I announced on February 1st of 2021. So it's been 16 months or so, something like that, since I announced I was running for governor and uh, hit the ground running. Um, and I, I, my 2019 Chevy Silverado now has... Uh, 107,000 miles on it. Uh, I've traveled all across this state. And so my question is, with as much effort and work that I've put in, with the uh, the support that I've garnered around the state, I have a huge base of support. And the question is, is why do these other people want to get in the race with me instead of just get behind me? Because I have a strong winning message. I have a ton of support statewide, and we need to knock Whitmer out of there. So you know, it's one of those things looking at it from the flip side of the coin. Uh, you know, I've I've created the support in the base. These, these guys should be getting behind me. Do you think that uh, Governor Whitmer is beatable? And I say that, um, and, and I want to preface that with the fact that uh, we've never not reelected a governor in something like 60 years in Michigan. It's a great year. Break that chain, wouldn't you say? Well, do you think do that's do you think that's possible? Is this a trend bucking year? It is absolutely, and she is absolutely beatable. Uh, if we have a 
uh, a Dick DeVos style candidate that wants to walk in with all the money in the world, but doesn't have a, a clear, strong fighting message, just like we had in 2006 with Granholm, we lose. If we have another Bill Shooty, like in 2018, um, you know, nice enough guy, didn't put the fight up, we lose. We have to bring the fight. We have to call them out for the hypocrisy that they're filled with. What she did throughout 2020 was disastrous to her administration. She is directly tied with Antifa, Joe Biden, and, and, and we need to point these things out boldly and unapologetically. The decision is clear this go-around. You're either for the lockdowns, you're for the mandates. We see those things resurfacing right now. You're for social justice in schools. You're for you know, all of the, the indoctrination, or you're against all of those things. And that's, Whitmer has made her positions very, very clear. And so if we have somebody that's willing to fight for all of the, the right things for, our, for America, then, and we take that fight to her, she's absolutely beatable. Ryan, you have been extremely vocal about opposing the, the methods that uh, Governor Granholm used to, to try to address the uh, the pandemic, the COVID nineteen outbreak. How how would you have done that differently? Individual risk assessment, first of all. Number two, our our constitution. We have to make a decision as society. Uh, do we put the constitution on hold when we feel like it, or do we not? Ryan, let me let me back up a little bit on that. And it's not unusual to suspend rights under certain kinds of emergencies military health etc but 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 let me back up a little bit when you say individual risk assessment because um, some people would take the things that you've said as um, I, I don't believe in taking any measures to combat this disease um, you know you just take your chances um, and and I don't think that's what you really mean to say so, yeah, to touch back on that, so I was going to go back to the individual risk assessment. You know, if, if people are provided with the accurate information um, in regard to, you know, what's going on, uh, the, the precautions that, that could be taken, and, you know, what the, what the outcome of, you know, whether it's, um, you know, the, the infection rates or whether it's uh, the spreading rates, uh, if, if people are made aware, they can make the decisions that are best for themselves. If they take care of somebody that is more vulnerable, you know, maybe they make certain decisions that will keep them away from people. Maybe they decide they want to wear a mask if they see benefit there for themselves. Uh, and so, you know, what Whitmer did, um, shutting down businesses, telling people how and when they can operate, uh, you know, all of those things are, are things that I would absolutely not have done. And, you know, if you empower people with the right information, then they will go ahead and, and make the best decisions uh, for themselves, you know, and should somebody not know what to do, I mean, they're welcome to stay home, stay safe. But forcing an entire state into lockdown, absolutely not. What about people that just refuse to think about their effect on other people? Should there be a provision for you know, uh, addressing people who don't um, assess the, the risk that is posed to them or that they pose to others? 
do you mean? Well, for example, if there is somebody who's in contact with, with somebody who's at risk or even has been infected with COVID, and, and then they just go out and go about their business and, and infect other people in the process, should there be um, some step in place to help prevent that from happening? Because not everybody is as responsible as you are, Ryan. Sure. So do we do that same thing with common cold? Have we done that before? Or or the regular flu? Well, how many people die from the flu or a common cold? I I mean, that gets back into this whole idea of of assessing the risk. Um, At the very beginning, the onset of this, before there were any treatments or vaccines, um, COVID was knocking people down pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, a lot of those people were the elderly in our nursing homes, too, that Whitmer decided to put patients into. So that's a you know, bit of an issue with that there uh, to, to see how the numbers truly would have worked out. Well, so, I mean, people look, said the same thing, said that same thing, Ryan, about uh, uh, Governor Cuomo in New York. Yes, they absolutely did. And Newsom, and what's the guy's name in New Jersey? Uh, and there was one other place, too, Pennsylvania, right? Was it Pennsylvania? I think so. I, I don't remember the all of them. So, look, if somebody is intentionally, uh, you know, purposely going around uh, spreading any type of disease, uh, that's wrong. Absolutely. Now you're taking away, you know, somebody else's uh, individual uh, liberties. Um, and so, you know, there's certain things there. But um, if somebody's asymptomatic, if somebody doesn't know, um you know, this whole idea of, you know, be scared, everybody lock yourselves in your houses so that, you know, we don't touch each other. Um, that's disastrous all in itself right there. Ryan, um, I, I I have to give you uh, credit for something. I've, I've interviewed a lot of candidates over the last uh, 10 or 15 years, and very few have so concisely put out what they stand for and what they would do in the first hundred days in office. And I want to go through that with you a little bit, if you don't mind. But I have a break coming up here in just a a minute or so. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can uh, talk about your plan? Of course, Tom. That sounds great. All right. My guest is uh, Ryan Kelly. He is uh, one of the uh, ten GOP candidates in uh, this year's primary for Michigan governor and uh, we're going to talk some more about him and get into some of his specific uh, stands and plans when we return. If you're listening to us on uh, WFOV, our voices radio, 92.1 LPFM in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll... uh, Talk some more about the race for governor in Michigan with uh, GOP candidate Ryan Kelly when we return. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with uh, GOP candidate for governor in this year's uh, primary coming up in August, Ryan Kelly. Ryan, uh, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Hey, it's uh, good to be here with you this morning still, Tom. So let's dive back into it. You want to talk about the 100-day plan, right? Well, I definitely want to get to that. I have one or two other quick things. Um, Ryan, you're the first of uh, a field of of 10, as it stands now, uh, candidates in this race. Were you the first to announce? Of the ones remaining, yes. Uh, there was a couple of other candidates that had announced prior to me, but they didn't meet the uh, the requirements, or uh, or however they came to not not actually filing to run. So, uh, of the ones that are in the field right now, yes, I have been announced the longest. And and I also wanted to ask about the um, uh, the Mackinac conference um, and the uh, Detroit Chamber selecting five of the ten to face off in debate and and i was curious what your thoughts were about that because i'm gonna i'm gonna make every attempt to give every candidate a chance at the microphone but what what did you think about their decision are they calling the field uh so they're I don't know if that's the case necessarily. Uh, why they're not having all ten candidates up there, I guess, is. Uh, I mean, I know that's a that lot I... of people to put on the on the stage at the same time, but you know, it's it's been handled before um, in presidential uh, debates, divided up into two segments and so on. Sure. Yeah, the the driving force behind that, I, I don't know uh, how they came to that conclusion. I know there was a poll that was conducted, and they said, hey, these are the top five right now, and the ones that will be uh, asked to come out there, those top five. So, you know, how they got the decision, I don't know. A lot of press coming out about that recently, though, because the Detroit Chamber, uh, I was reading on their website, that they're going to be requiring uh, vaccination IDs, vaccine passports, uh, proof of vaccination and or proof of negative COVID test in order to get onto the island, which is ridiculous because people go out there every day. People are at those places every day. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're there without taking tests. They're, they're there not providing uh, their papers. Uh, and so, you know, I made the statement recently that if they're going to require the governor candidates uh, to have uh, – that vaccine ID or negative COVID test, I won't participate. Now, I'm told that for the debate that will happen outside, none of that stuff will be required. Uh, but should the rest of the conference still continue to require that, I will not take part in the rest of the conference. That's something that needs to stop. Would you um, still, uh, would, would you be willing to do the debate if those requirements aren't there for the debate but still remain for other parts of the conference or would you just bypass the whole thing so um i was curious I'm about that because i couldn't tell for sure from from the statements i'd read from you so far yeah no, <laughs> i think a couple of the news sources kind of misquoted it a little bit i have my official statement 
that I put out on Telegram, uh, Getter, Truth Social, and Facebook, uh, and um, and I sent out an email. And the official statement was that if I am required to have a vaccine ID or a negative COVID test in order to participate in the debate, that I will decline. Now I'm being told that it's um, it's not going to be required, so. I will uh, more than likely be joining the debate for that portion, but would not take part in the rest of the conference okay. if they're requiring those as uh, as an entry pass. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the plan. Now, this was released in December of uh, 2021, just uh, six months ago. Um, yes, sir. And uh, it... Um, you have broken down into uh, increments uh, some of the things that you stand for or would expect to do on day one in the first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and 100 days. Um, let's let's talk about day one and, and pandemic. Um, what you've what you've said on your uh, published plan is that. All emergency orders statewide would be canceled. All mandates and executive orders related to pandemic would be eliminated. Uh, any state or federal government vaccine mandates would be halted. And uh, you would um, afford doctors the full authority to prescribe effective treatments. Um, do you want to expand on, on any of those points, Ryan? And I'm especially curious about giving doctors full authority to prescribe effective treatments because I'm not sure that's in the governor's purview. You said it well. I mean, that was a great promotion there, first of all, so thank you. Uh, and to comment specifically on that point there, uh, I know several doctors that have been threatened to have their licenses taken away for, you know, for example, wanting to prescribe hydroxychloroquine. Uh, I spoke to several of them personally that, you know, licensing and regulatory affairs uh, has kind of stepped in and said that these are things that you're not able to do. Uh, you know, if there's effective treatments that doctors want to prescribe to their patients, um, whether it's, you know, hydroxychloroquine, if it's something like ivermectin or if it's something different, uh, you know, that should be something that the government doesn't step in between uh, because right now they're absolutely stepping in between. When interestingly enough, just recently, the Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist put out a tweet saying that, um, probably find it here for you real quick and read it verbatim. Uh, I saved it just the other day. Um, and if I don't find it right away, I'll just kind of give you the, the thought behind it. Um, I don't see it. I'm sorry. But along something along the lines of, uh, the government staying out of the way of uh, doctor and patient decisions, and he was talking about abortion. So, you know, it's, again, hypocrisy when we when we look at uh, the Democrats' approach, right? You know, my body, my choice, but then they want vaccine mandates. You know, doctors shouldn't, uh, you know, the government should stay out of the decisions of, you know, doctors and patients' relationships, or unless it comes to prescribing effective treatment that might be beneficial to some sort of virus or, or disease, and and so that's what that component of my 100-day plan is there, is that 
the government's not going to step in and tell doctors that they can't prescribe uh, whatever they think might be an effective treatment to treat this virus or, or other viruses. Um, and and so we can we can kind of turn this page, the whole pandemic being over as part of my plan. Michigan's ready to move on. Businesses are ready to move on. These restrictions and these regulations and, you know, this continued push of uh, everything we've seen throughout 2020 is is ready to be behind us. And I'll tell you what, most of the state supports that. In the, um, you, you also say in your first 100-day plan that on day one, um, you would cancel state contracts with Dominion, ES&S, and Hart Electronic Voting Machines as a way of laying the foundation for eliminating fraud and restoring election integrity. How would, how would elections be conducted so as to ensure their um, integrity? Yeah, that's a great question. And See, Ryan, I have been saying, you know, through all of the uh, uh, controversy and, and debates about, about this very thing, I, I've been saying I'd be happy to go back to paper ballots and fill in the little squares with a number two pencil. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm fine with the old-fashioned way of doing it, but is that practical? You know, we have conveniences in our lives as as the generations have gone on and as technology has advanced. Uh, we have conveniences, you know, and nowadays, uh, and I will tie this back in to the point we're talking about here. You know, nowadays, if you if you want to buy a toy for your kid or, you know, if you want to buy a new pillow or if you want to buy groceries, you can jump right on your phone, click a couple of buttons. You never even have to leave your couch, get out of your pajamas and or anything, and it shows up at your house. How amazing, right? And that technology has brought us to a point in society where we think everything is you know, all about speed and we have to have this, otherwise we can't survive. Now, if we look at the election system that we have here in, in America, um, you know, look at... Look at what happens in a football play. If there's a close play, right? They stop the whole game. They look at the cameras from every angle to make sure that the very best call was made. They'll run the chains out in the field. They want to make sure they, that, that it's accurate. Look at our money system, how secure it is. Anytime you spend a 50 or or $100 bill, they, they test it to make sure that it's a real one, right, with the little pens. Uh, but with our election system, we, we saw that throughout 2020, that didn't happen. Without even pointing the finger, you know, there was this, there was, there was that. There was enough discrepancies that, that should have been looked at like a football play. And 2,000 mules that recently came out, uh, you know, that should be uh, enough to say, hey, this, this, we need to get to the root cause of this because regardless if you vote Democrat, Republican, Independent, Green Party, Tea Party, whatever, we should all be on the same page that we want our elections to be accurate. So I'm with you, Tom, that if we go back to the paper ballots, uh, that's something that we've done in America for decades. And even though we have these new technological conveniences, it doesn't mean that they're the, the best things. And so I think if you look at precincts, you know, you're around 3,000, right, per precinct. 
Uh, and when we counted all of those with hundreds of millions of people in our country, right, tens, uh, you know, millions yeah. of people in our states, and, and we had election results the same day every time up until recently. So the technology is actually slowing things down instead of speeding things up. And we're also seeing, you know, Biden's new FEC nominee, for example, uh, the Federal Elections Commission, right? Um, she, she's listed on a website or she's listed on a lawsuit from 2018 in Georgia that she is absolutely claiming that the machines are hackable. The machines are easy to manipulate. The machines switched votes. This is Biden's FEC nominee. And, I mean, you can just jump on YouTube and type in, you know, hackable voting machines. And, I mean, a whole slew of people from Congress pop up on there, um, most of them Democrats, uh, through 2016, 17, and 18, 19, talking about how these machines are hackable and they're vulnerable and, you know, we need to this and we need to that. And so, you know, through the confidence of you, I, everybody else, I think paper ballots are, are the direction. Sometimes just, you know, the, the, the old school way is the best way. Um, let me ask, let me ask you this and then we'll move on to some other things. Um, cause you've got education and budget and other, other things in this plan. And I want to see if we can get to them all, but on the subject of election integrity, do you believe that there, there were enough, uh, discrepancies, um, to potentially have affected the outcome of the 2020 election um and and just piggybacked on on top of that and you can take this in any order you want ryan um have you been in, uh, endorsed by donald trump and would you endorse him for a 2024 run Great questions, and let's uh, let's rewind back to the first one. Do I believe that there was uh, enough discrepancies that affected the outcome? Absolutely. Do I believe that if we had a a true, in depth investigation of of how the twenty twenty election uh, was was conducted, handled, and uh, would have Donald Trump won? Absolutely. Uh, let me let me just jump in, and I and I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I I need to ask: of all of the Republican-led um, inquiries, lawsuits, and investigations, why do they seem to keep falling short? Of coming to that report. of coming to that conclusion. Right. Um, you know, there's never been a lawsuit that has ended with the direction of having an audit of the election. And, you know, we're talking signature validation. We're talking, uh, I don't know if you've seen 2,000 Mules. I believe everybody should watch 2,000 Mules from a completely biased standpoint and say, what the heck was that, right? Um, and we need to get to the bottom of that. I made a TikTok video that was extremely uh, extremely um, popular. And, um, you know, I asked the question. I said, look, I just watched 2,000 Mules. So, you know, the question is, is, you know, when do we see the billboards pop up around the country? You know, the FBI billboards, you know, nationwide manhunt for uh, anybody of the, any of the mules or the organizations that were involved in corrupting the 2020 election so that they can question them and ask them, you know, why were you showing up at multiple ballot boxes, multiple days in a row, all over the city, putting in, you know, ballots time after time. I mean, the, the same person voting 
multiple times, multiple days at three o'clock in the morning with wearing gloves and just the whole thing just stinks of there's, there's suspicion from every angle. And so, you know, we haven't had a court step in and, and authorize all of these things to, to really truly be looked at. Uh, and so, you know, I, I do believe that that day of justice will be coming, that we will figure out the, uh, the, the true actions that were taken on, on that day and that we can find, you know, ways to A, hold people accountable and B, secure our election process so that everybody's vote does count. You know, I hear that a lot, especially coming from the Democrats, like, oh, every vote has to count. Well, if there was any corruption involved, you're canceling out somebody's vote. And so I, I just want fair elections. And I, I think everybody would too, right? The, the person that, uh, that wins the election is the winner fair and square. So uh, it's a little ways off of your question there. But, um, you know, I, I, I do believe that that day will, will come because there's going to be more evidence that piles on with this. Okay. And, and how about the, uh, the, the Trump endorsement questions? Has he endorsed you, yeah, and would you endorse him? Trump has not endorsed any of the candidates. Uh, Trump has, has not chose uh, a gubernatorial candidate to get behind. Um, you know, we'll see who he picks as the time comes on. Uh, but should Donald Trump <laughs> decide to run again in 2024, I would absolutely support him. Okay. Now, there's, this is uh, something interesting. Um, in the first 30 days, you pledged to form a uh, people's cabinet. Michigan residents uh, would have a place to make their voices heard and bring valuable solutions to the state in this uh, cabinet. It, basically, it's uh, uh, like an advisory uh, committee. That's a great, uh, a great term to put on it, absolutely. As I've spent time traveling across the state, talking to ordinary citizens just like myself, uh, there's, there's some really great ideas and, and thoughts on how government should operate. And I believe those voices need to be heard in Lansing uh, and not just bureaucrats uh, around the governor that are trying to direct a narrative or an agenda one way or another. So that's a way for me to continually stay in touch with people um, you know, there would probably be other components to that as well, um, you know, such as, uh, you know, different events where, you know, we can get people more engaged in government. Uh, we're a government for the people, by the people, of the people. And I'm, you know, a, a regular guy, husband, father, small business owner, concerned citizen that wants to, as governor, continue to bring that voice to our government with real, true, regular person, common sense solutions for our state. Then you say in the uh, first 60 days you would um, look at uh, the public education system, replacing Common Core, eliminating uh, critical race theory, um, SEL and DEI from public funded education, focus on academic skill trades, and American constitutional civics. Um, that that all seems pretty uh, pretty cut and dried. Um, then in also in the first 60 days you talk about returning Michigan to an economic powerhouse by eliminating unemployment for those that are refusing to to return to work and and that's part of the the so-called great resignation incentivize small businesses um, 
by reducing regulation and taxes. And this sort of leads into uh, the budget, and, and I, I want to go ahead and, and ask because so many times Republicans want to cut taxes, want to cut regulations, but very rarely ever want to cut the budget or programs um, to offset those, those uh, revenue cuts. Um, how, how would you address that or, or treat that? And you can roll right from, uh, you know, the, the unemployment into talking about the uh, budget audit you're recommending. If you look at the budget in regard to the line items, you'll see that there's some big numbers there, but you don't quite understand where the money's being spent. I think looking at a you know more in-depth use of that money, and a lot of government is use it or lose it type of spending as well. And I would like to see that rolled back as well because that leads to wasteful spending. That leads to purchase of uh, items and products that are not needed, uh, you know, if anything, that money should be going to, say, like a teacher's salary, right, or to, you know, Michigan Department of Correction officers. Uh, you know, there's, there's other places where, you know, that money could be better allocated. And having that budget will be able to expose some of those things, number one. But you're correct, too, Tom. Uh, if we look at reducing taxes, which I think the first thing we need to look at is reducing property taxes. Uh, property taxes are absolutely unequitable. And they allow the government to continue to grow and grow and grow based on the inflation of the real estate market. So it's not tied to the prosperity of the people of the state, say, as like an income tax is. This is tied to, hey, whatever the inflation rate is, you know, as the properties go up, you know, uh, property tax continues to go up and it continues to fund a bloated government. So that needs to be looked at uh, reduced and or I would like to see completely eliminated because, uh, you know, owning property is the, 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 the basis of freedom. And you don't truly have freedom if the government always owns your property, right? I mean, uh, full government ownership is, is communism, right? And so it's kind of like soft communism to a certain aspect, right? Uh, and so I think that's an important component right there uh, but, uh, you know, we have, um, you know, we have a lot of things economically that could be done in Michigan for as far as removing those regulations. Uh, LARA is one of those things. Um, and then in finding those, those spots where we have unneeded uh, agencies uh, or, or spending money in incorrect places, uh, OSHA, I know, takes a, a lot of funding for things that it, it doesn't need. Uh, the Department of Health and Human Services is like half of our budget, uh, and there's a lot of wasteful spending in there. Same thing with Michigan Department of Transportation, uh, the Department of Education, which is funded 94% by the department or by the um, by the federal government, uh, has a lot of wasted money through administration, uh, through you know building projects that are unnecessary, <clears throat> and so allocation of those funds and ultimately reducing government agencies. Um, we are a limited government by our Constitution, and we've just continued to grow and grow as a government, and it continues to infringe upon the ability of individuals to prosper here in the state of Michigan. Ryan, I have uh, another break coming up here in about 20 seconds. Um, can you stick around for a few minutes so we can wrap this up properly? Yep, great. Okay. My guest is Ryan Kelly. He is... Uh, 
a Republican candidate in the primary for Michigan governor, which will be held in August. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back for a final uh, few thoughts with Ryan Kelly coming up right after this. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Sloan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, Mark Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, 
and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We uh, are going to wrap up our uh, conversation with Ryan Kelly. He is a GOP candidate in the primary for Michigan governor. Ryan, thanks for sticking around. I had hoped to get things wrapped up before the before the break, which is uh, automated, and uh, didn't quite make it. But thank you so much for your patience and for sticking around. We had a lot of good things to talk about, so it's all uh, it's all good. Thanks for. Uh, keeping the interview uh, going this long with me and covering such a broad range of topics here. It's good uh, good to have the conversation with you, Tom. Well, as I said earlier, Ryan, I, I was really impressed. I, I went to your website and poked around a little bit, and, and uh, I had seen before and was happy to see that it was, was there and accessible, your first 100 days plan where you spell out what you intend to do right from day one up through the first 100 days, including, which we didn't get to in the earlier segment, we were talking a little bit about uh, about the budget and about tax reduction and, and some things that, that could and probably should need, uh, need cutting that, that, frankly, a lot of Republicans never seem to get around to. They're pretty good about passing tax... Uh, tax cut regulation, but uh, not so good with cutting the spending. Um, but um, also on the list, which may be a little controversial to some people, especially in, in uh, recent months, um, you promised to work with the legislature to pass uh, open carry legislation. Constitutional carry legislation. What, what, uh, what is the difference there? Because, you know, open carry, I, you know, I, that's, that's, either, um, that's, that's either exercising the right to bear arms or it's uh, walking around with a fifth of Jack Daniels. <laughs> right, right. So it's, it's kind of interesting how the laws are in Michigan because right now it is perfectly legal for you to just uh, walk around um, carrying a firearm uh, in in public, as long as you can see it, broad daylight, right? Middle of the night, doesn't matter. Uh, but you have to get a concealed pistol license should you want to carry uh, a firearm around with, uh, around with you uh, concealed. So it seems a little bit weird just uh, there in itself, but the con- constitutional carry makes it so that we don't have to have CPL laws. You don't have to go obtain a license in order to concealed carry a pistol. And 25 states have adopted that legislation, uh, and it's been going extremely well for those states. And that is, if we look at our Michigan Constitution, Article 1, Section 6, it's kind of like our own little Second Amendment here in the state of Michigan. We have the right to self-defense and the right to keep and bear arms and protection of ourselves and of the state, and then also the Second Amendment, obviously, of the U.S. Constitution. 
I think it's a very uh, important thing that we have this type of legislation. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, criminals don't follow the law, and that is uh, an obvious component of why it's a crime in the first place. Uh, you know, we see areas that have very strict gun laws, and we see that the crime rates are the highest in those places. And I think that uh, constitutional carry, uh, removing our CPL laws, removing pistol registration, um, and bringing a, an education component of firearms uh, back to our society will result in a safer society, a, a better educated society, uh, and a society with less crime. Well, Ryan, I, I really appreciate you spending this much time. Uh, it's been an honor and a privilege to get to know you a little bit, and I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and about what we've been talking about. Um, would you like to share your <coughs> website? Ryan D. Kelly, R-Y-A-N. D-K-E-L-L-E-Y.com, RyanDKelly.com. You can find me on TikTok. I can, I'm on Telegram. I'm on Facebook, Getter, Truth Social, Instagram, Gab. So you can find me on most of the social medias out there. I was permanently banned from Twitter and LinkedIn, though, so you can't find me on those ones. Well, Ryan, you're not banned here, so... Uh Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk again. And thank you so much for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. And uh, uh, kudos to you for rolling up your sleeves and and wanting to get out there and do something. Thanks, Tom. Enjoy the day. God bless. Bye-bye. Again, that was uh, Ryan Kelly. He's a candidate, a Republican candidate in the uh, GOP Uh, primary for Michigan governor. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. More than one audience has been taken unaware by the humor of Senator Barry Goldwater of Arizona. Here is Senator Goldwater accepting the nomination for President of the United States at the annual mock convention of Washington's exclusive Alfalfa Club. Well, this is the most exciting thing that's happened to me since Walter Ruther made me an honorary auto worker. (laughs) Gentlemen, gentlemen, if my voice trembles a little at this historic moment, I'm sure you'll understand. It takes my breath away even though I feel the White House is now ready for me since Jacqueline remodeled it in an 18th century decor. (laughs) And frankly, I I feel it's a double honor since I've never even been to Harvard. (laughs) But members of this convention, this has been a genuine draft, not just the kind felt by reservists, and I've, and I've yielded to it in the sincere belief that no man with a drop of patriotism in his veins could turn down such a golden opportunity to advance his family. Uh, of course, the, the Goldwater clan is not as large as the Kennedy clan, and my brother Bob doesn't want to be in government. Uh, He promised Dad he'd go straight. 
gentlemen, I wouldn't be truthful if I said that I was fully qualified for the office. I don't play the piano, I seldom play golf, and I never play touch football. But I hope you'll find it in your hearts to accept a president who just sits behind a desk and works. Now, I must take note of the fact here that my opponents call me a conservative. If I understand the word correctly, it means to conserve. Well then, I'm just trying to live up to my name and conserve two things that most need conserving in this country, gold and water. me to turn to my campaign platform, but before I do that, I just want to say that I don't apologize for being a conservative. I can remember where the conservative and mother were clean words. <laughs> but as you all know, I've argued for some time that we should do away with the cumbersome and lengthy, unmeaningful and platitudinous promises that the platforms of both parties have become. We need bold, brief statements that all Americans can understand. Now, the first plank fits neatly on one page, but I think it's basically sound and honest. It will mean the same thing to you whether you live in the North or the South, whether you're a farmer in Maine or an industrial worker in California. It says, and I ask you to play, pay close attention, elect Goldwater. <laughs> now... Gentlemen, that's it. No nonsense, no shilly-shallying, no hair-splitting. Just elect Goldwater. It's got a nice ring to it that I sort of like. And is there anyone from the highest to the lowest from the ordinary school child to the lowliest Harvard professor who can possibly mistake this meeting? I'll go even further. Is there anyone in this convention hall who doesn't understand it? <laughs> now, members of this convention, the other two planks deal with labor, education, foreign policy, and the farm problem. Here's plank number two. Elect Goldwater. <laughs> Now, you may notice a certain similarity between the first plank and the second, and I want you to know that that was deliberate. It's been my experience that the public is confused if you offer too many issues. The thing to do is to get a hold of a good one and stick to it. Hammer it home. Repetition, gentlemen, is the way Madison Avenue sells toothpaste and soap, and it's the way the new frontier stays in the limelight. But when repetition occurs at the White House, and it has since 1932, it's not a sales pitch, it's a giveaway. You don't even have to guess the price. And now, gentlemen, for the final plank. Plank number three. This is the bell ringer, and it's even shorter. It just says, ditto. <laughs> there, gentlemen. I suggest that you have a platform in five words. Elect Goldwater, elect Goldwater, ditto. <laughs> and just to keep things symmetrical, 
I think I'll hold the budget down to five figures. Jane Mansfield's for openers, and I'll accept nominations for the you other You pilots, four. get off my lawn! We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>